birds are singing, the sun is out, spring has sprung. Has your wardrobe followed suit? If not, you can get a refresh with Bombas, my favorite brand for socks, tees, and underwear that also has an amazing mission that we support wholeheartedly. Because for every incredible comfy item that I get from Bombas, they match with a donation to someone who is unhoused. Get comfy this spring and give back with Bombas. Head over to bombas.com slash hard things and use code hard things for 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash hard things and use code hard things at checkout. Think about how delicately you hold your baby, you dress your baby, and you feed your baby. We do that because they're adorable, of course, but also because their skin is delicate. Know this. There is only one diaper brand that we recommend to give you the gentle protective care your little one needs, and that's Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Their Swaddler's diaper absorbs wetness better versus the leading value brand, and provides up to 100% leak-proof skin protection to keep your baby's skin dry, healthy, and beautiful. And when you use Swaddlers in tandem with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes, you'll keep your baby's skin healthy. The wipes are made from 100% plant-based cloth, and you won't have to worry about tearing. With Free and Gentle, mess meets it's match. That's right. So download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Hello, love bugs. Welcome back to We Can Do Hard Things. Today, this is the plan. We're going to give you our best advice, okay? Not oh. like advice that we've gathered from other people. We're going to listen to some challenges that you all have sent to us via email or voicemail. Uh-huh. And we're going to give you our best advice, okay? We're not saying it's going to be good advice. Yeah, just our best. What we're saying is we're going to give you our best ideas and advice. So before we start, let's take a minute and talk about advice. Who do you two trust to give you good advice? Can you think of people that when you have a problem, you know that person will give me good advice? I mean, I obviously will say you two for sure. You both are brilliant advice givers. But outside of you two, I would say Liz and Alex. Yes. Same. Those are my two. Liz Gilbert, Alex Hedison. Why? What is it about? Let's first take Liz. What, what is it about her that makes you trust her advice? I think because she's gone through a lot of stuff in her life and has proactively went in search of figuring some of that stuff out. Mm-hmm. Both Alex and Liz aren't, well, that just happened. I'm not going to like <laughs> go in any kind of search and analyze. Like they are the most proactive about understanding themselves and the world and how those two can compete against each other and with each other. Yeah. It's like if you were going to trust somebody to to tell you about the world, you would trust an adventurer, like someone who had gone out and seen a lot of different places. Yeah. 
And Alex and Liz are both people who are adventurers of the human experience. They dig in. Yes. They do recovery. They do therapy. They do talking to people. They do like they're adventures of the soul. Yes. And so when you bring them a problem, it's almost like they're like, please. I know. I've done it a few times where I brought brought this one thing to Alex that I was so, I was devastated. Mm -hmm. I was devastated about. And she reframed that shit in two seconds. Mm -hmm. And the way that she heard my story, she was unaffected. Yeah. And I was like, how is this person not floored and surprised and shocked by this? It was like she had heard a million worse yeah, stories. Like you think you're special? Yes. This shit is just life. So what was interesting about that story is you brought her to her a problem you were having. that Somebody did something that upset you very much. Yes. And the way that Alex reframed it, which I thought was so interesting, is that she didn't focus on the thing that happened. She didn't focus on the person that did it. She said, isn't it interesting that this thing is causing this much turmoil in you? Yes. What has happened is that something has come up in you that is unhealed. Yep. So thank God this happened. I know. She this got has it. given you an opportunity Literally, to heal. Four minutes later, she was just like, eventually you're going to say, thank God for this person. It's like the Maya Angelou thing. Like, say thank you right now. Yes. Yeah. Thank you right now. And yeah. at the beginning of that conversation, I was like, fuck this person. And at the end, I was like, thank God for this. I hadn't done any of the work yet, yeah. of course. But I was like, oh, I'm going to have to say thank God for so-and-so for showing me what I need to work on. And yeah. that is why Liz and Alex are the best. Mm-hmm. What about you, Sissy? Who do you go to? I mean, I think it's an interesting question too about advice. Like I think, at least for me, probably 90% of the time that I am sharing a problem purportedly for advice, I actually don't, I'm not seeking advice Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. I think there's this, there's so many things that we go to people like, I need to share this with you ostensibly for the idea that people are going to advise us, but really we just want to either share and commiserate over like the betrayal or the bullshit that someone did or just like be outraged together Mm. or just share this monumental thing that happened to us. But I feel like I rarely seek actual advice as in counsel, as in like I'm stuck between these two or three roads. Which one do you advise me to go down based on what you know about Mm -hmm. me. But obviously you too. Also my friend Bonzo. Mm. I only go to her when I'm like ready, ready because she isn't going to bullshit. She is going to actually tell me what she thinks I should do. Mm -hmm. And she knows me really well. And so often if I'm not actually ready to change the thing, I'm not going down that road. Yes. She's not the one you call just to confirm your story or to gather witnesses for your own case. Yes, exactly. It's <laughs> like, well, do I actually want to solve this? No. Well, then I'm not going to go over there. Mm-hmm. Because, and so that's good to have someone like that. And it's also interesting to pay attention to whether you're actually like, do you actually want advice? Advice suggests like action and change and movement. And if yeah. you're not going to do that, you're just sharing a story. You're not mm-hmm. asking for advice. Yeah, it's such a good point. Most of us don't want, that's why it's so important to know that about human beings. Because yeah. I feel like we always jump into advice giving when really the only time that you should really offer advice is when someone calls your voicemail 
podcast line and says, do you have advice for me? Well, it's like the lying episode. It's like when someone says, I want to hear the truth. I mean, most think of how many relationship stories that people have come to to share a story. And you're like, he's never going to leave her. Mm -hmm. Everyone knows he's never going to leave her. Like, you're not actually asking me what I think. Yeah. Because everyone knows the correct answer to your conundrum, which is you leave his ass or you stop doing whatever you're doing. But you're not actually asking me that. What you're asking me for is to lend you a listening ear and to actually not say what I think, Mm -hmm. Yeah, which is what we do most of the time. So I think it's like that lying episode where you kind of create a social contract. I think my social contract with Bonzo is you're going to tell me where my dysfunction is in this and you're going to give it back to me. And then you're going to tell me the changes that are going to help to not make that happen again. Mm -hmm. And then John is just the most, for better, for worse, most level, Mm -hmm. a emotional reactor to things ever. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it's a very helpful one when I'm like, this person just said this to me. And sometimes I don't know because I am a very emotional reactor to mm-hmm. things. It, and I'll be like, is that weird? Mm-hmm. And he will tell me honestly. When he says something's weird or strange, you're like, oh. I'm like, well, wow. Okay, yeah. then it's really weird. <laughs> yeah. Then I am confirmed in my reaction to that being weird. I think that's a really helpful. It's helpful when you're a very sensitive person. You have to have that. I mean, Abby and I, once a day, once a what we have a thing where we have figured out that just because I am triggered by something doesn't mean anything happened. Right. And I'm not like being hard on myself. No. I'm saying like, so I will ask her, did that feel weird to you? Or yeah, did like that, whatever. Ob- objectively speaking, yes. was that odd? Yeah. Yeah. Or she'll be like, I'll be like, did that like even with you, I'll be like, did sister seem stressed? And Abby will be like, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> well, what, what? and she's like, I don't think it's a problem, but so here's the deal. We're both with you. Mm-hmm. Is sister stressed? Yes. For me, that's a very upsetting thing. <laughs> <laughs> For Abby, it's a fact. It is new information to me and something that is is so important in my recovery and also unbelievable to me that it is true that in a space, a person can be sad or upset or angry. And I do not have to immediately become sad or upset or angry. Mm-hmm. And I'm not there, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I can see. Yeah. You can entertain that intellectually and conceptually. Right, right. right. So I don't know what that has to do with advice other than there's some advice for you. You can be in a room with someone (laughs) (laughs) who's upset and you can stay how you are. Okay, so should we hear from, do you have anything else to say about advice? I I just want to make sure that you feel like you you said who your advice. Oh, um, I agree with... um, Liz and Alex. Yeah, I was thinking about 
how funny it is. Like my people think they're parents. And I was thinking about my mom and advice. And my mom is like the worst advice giver ever because she hates everyone I hate. She loves everyone mm-hmm. I love. She thinks everything that I've done is perfect. <laughs> she th- So there's mm-hmm. no like otherness to offer. That's the commiseration and she the validation. Commiserates. And, and you yes. need that too. Oh my God, totally, right. totally. And I, I did think about, we have one kid who constantly wants to report trauma and drama but never wants to fix it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No wants no ideas. That is not her purpose. That is not what we're doing here. No. Right. And so it is a different way of being to listen to someone's pain or problems and say that sounds so hard. Yeah. And then nothing else. Yeah. But I bet more people are like that than we know. Because mm-hmm. actually usually when someone offers me advice, it makes me feel stupid. Most of the time, because I'm like, I know that. Yeah. I know what to do. Does it make you feel stupid or does it make you feel like you dislike them? It makes me feel like they think I'm stupid or do you know what I mean? Like, obviously I know how to solve the problem. We're doing something else here. Right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But these are people, these are pod squatters who don't know how to solve their problems. Maybe. And so maybe they just want to, maybe they want to come to us and we can be like, mom, we can be like, (gasps) I can't believe it. And also, don't you have those friends? Like when I think about Alex and Liz and telling them stuff, usually when I'm telling them a problem, I'm thinking right now about a problem that I reported to Alex a couple weeks ago. We were on FaceTime. And by the end of me talking, I was already embarrassed because I was already looking at her face listening to She's like, I'm waiting for the problem. Yeah, I know. No, but I know exactly what my problem is. I know exactly what to do. I know exactly what she's going to say before she opens her mouth because I have heard myself through Alex's ears. Mm -hmm. And now I know that this is all horseshit. She doesn't have to say anything. What is that? Verbal processing? Yeah. That's a big thing. That's why writing down in journals is so important. That's Mm -hmm. why having people to share our issues with is important because when we are all in our heads, our problems, our frustrations are so incohate. You can't touch them. Mm -mm. You can't, they just feel overwhelming. So if you're able to verbally process, you are walking through yourself in that. And if you're able to write, you are making them more manageable by putting something so amorphous and undealable. Yeah. And I think you should have a list of people when you want to just get all riled up, mm-hmm. you have that friend. You know you have that friend yeah. who's just going to hate everyone you hate, be with you, you know. A very valuable Confirm friend. your case. Yes. Like, yes, you're the winner. That other person is all the things. Mm-hmm. And then you should have an empathetic person who's just going to be sad and soft for you. Mm-hmm. And then you should have the bonzo mm-hmm. who's like, I-, I assume you're not going to waste my time if we're yeah. not going to get to a solution here. Right. And like, we're going to sit here and pretend like you haven't done that same horseshit pattern for 30 years. <laughs> oh, I'm so surprised. That's the, tr- that's the trouble of having friends for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. You keep bringing back the same shit over Yeah, and over it's better to get new ones so you can pretend like you're just discovering this issue. The weather's getting warmer, which is wonderful because we can say bye-bye to big bulky sweaters and jackets and hello to shorts and tees. I just ordered three of Quince's muscle tanks. Check out their European linen shirt dress. I got it in the blue and white stripes. Classic. 
It's beautiful and summery and gorgeous and linen, and it was less than $50. All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands, and Quince cuts out the costs of the middleman and passes the savings to us. But they only work with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. You will love all of it. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash hard things for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash hard things to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash hard things. All right, let's hear from our first pod squatter. My name is River. My pronouns are they, them. I am someone who can feel alone in a crowd of my family and friends. And I need to feel really seen and known to feel safe and also to feel present. I'm very sensitive to not having those things, especially right now. I recognize that we are all communal and social beings. That's human nature, really. But we also live in a very individualistic world. I'm currently building a community in my life with people capable of giving me these things, but that's not the only people I have in my life. So my question is, how badly do I need to learn to be alone? What is the value of aloneness? Is there value to loneliness? How can I let my community in more when they are present, when they are there for me? Thank you so, so, so much. You are all like my mothers, my sisters, my guardian angels, my teachers. Thank you for everything. I listen to you basically every day for your guidance. Mm. River. River. I Damn, love that name River. too, River. Mm. I, well, you know I love this question. Mm-hmm. We have a kid who was talking to us recently about how they had been surrounded by people so much. And they love, they have a group that is the most beautiful little community of people that I know at their age. Uh, it's they love each other. They take care of each other. They pull each other intellectually and emotionally. It's really gorgeous community. And our kid was starting to feel a little bit lost. So they carved out more alone time just to go for walks, do all the things. And they were reporting back to me about the results of that. And they said, when I am alone is the time that I feel like I exist the most. Whoa. They can feel themselves existing the most. And I feel the same way. Okay, so it's like I am blue. Okay, it's like I'm blue. And I can feel my blueness. And then when I'm with other people, it's like I suddenly turn green. Like I'm mixed with their colors Mm -hmm. and I just start to feel like disintegrated a little Mm -hmm. bit. And I love that feeling. Like when you think about being at a concert is like the ultimate experience of that to me. It's like you're disappearing. And that is so beautiful. Like I love to disappear with a group, whether it's like us on the couch with our team last night, which is the five of us and it's like we're a mushy stew or at a concert where it's like you really feel like molecularly you have disappeared, like you are in the collective, you're gone. I must have those experiences and I must return to blue. 
Like if I don't disappear and exist completely, then I feel like I'm not whole. So River, I think, is there, is there value to aloneness? Oh my God. It's, it's to some of us, it's when we exist fully. In our culture, we define loneliness as being alone. And I am the most lonely when I'm with a group of people and I can't connect with any of them and everything's just talk, talk, talk. And, and I can't like see anybody's blueness or greenness or redness. And I can't feel my own blueness because there's so much noise. And that's when I feel the most lonely. Mm-hmm. When I'm in a space that's not supposed to be disappearing, it's not supposed to be a concert, but I still feel like we're all disappearing, which is why I don't like a party. I mean, I have friends who are married and are the most lonely when they're with their partner on a couch and they're together because they feel so unknown by that person and they feel like they're supposed to be known by that person. And when you feel like it's supposed to be connection and it's not there, that's really lonely. I know people who hate to be alone and that's loneliness for them. So I think loneliness can be so many different things and it's not just aloneness. And if you're asking River, is it important to be alone and to have community or if that's an either or, I think it's an and both. I think it is so interesting what you just brought up about the concert because that togetherness is not lonely precisely because you are having what feels like dissolving into the same experience together. Mm -hmm. And what River is talking about is that they have the experience of friends and family who they feel they are lonely around because they don't share the same I forget how they put it, but like experience of life or mm-hmm. same values or whatever. And I think this is significant because there was a study out of USC last month, and it's very different research than has ever been done that is showing the brain processing of people who are lonely and people who are not lonely. And this to me blows my mind and makes sense of this kind of self fulfilling prophecy of loneliness. So, People who are not experiencing loneliness have very similar patterns in brain information processing as other people who do not experience loneliness. Okay, so you're not lonely. Your brain works a certain way. Mm-hmm. You work very similarly to other people who are not lonely. If you are lonely, your brain processing is very individualized distinct, idiosyncratic. So the brains of lonely people do not look like the brains of not lonely people Mm -hmm. and also do not look like the brains of other lonely people. Mm -hmm. Your brain just looks very individual, which means that when you feel like you are not experiencing the world in the same way with a shared experience and understanding, you are correct. Mm -hmm. Wow. And the research is completely unaffected by how many friends you have, how much socialization you do, how many people are around you does not affect your experience of your loneliness being the result of a feeling like you do not experience the world in the same way. So does that mean that if you're a lonely person, you can't just change your circumstances? It means that you are born a lonely person? Are people who have this lonely brain 
are they, <laughs> is that why artists are always like, please let me show you or paint you or, or sing to you or write to you what it's like for me because no one else is sharing this experience. So we're constantly like, look, because it is an unusual experience that nobody else is having. Right. It, lonely people are lonely people are lonely people are lonely people forever. We don't just get a dog or get another friend. Well, this is what's mind blowing. They haven't done the research yet to show whether it's a cart or a horse thing. I see. So the question is, right, if your brain is that idiosyncratic, do you become lonely because you realize by watching the world and being around people that your brain isn't working like all these other people's mm-hmm. brains. Mm-hmm. And that makes you feel more lonely. Mm. Or are you just born with lonely brain? But what is true is that it doesn't matter how many people you surround yourself with. You're still going to be having a very distinct experience that right. is not Holy the same shit. as them. And so in fact, they have found that that actually might be, the research is still out, but it actually might be a risk factor. They say the possibility that being surrounded by people who see the world differently from oneself may be a risk factor for loneliness. So not only that just adding those people to your mix doesn't make it better, it might make it worse. Mm. So if you're blue and blue and blue and you're surrounding, you're saying, I'm so blue, I need to surround myself with more other colors, if half of those people who are not lonely are all red mm-hmm. and the other half are lonely, but they're not blue, they're teal and yellow and purple and orange. So let me just put this into a visual so that the pod squatters can visualize with me. So like what sister is saying is some, the people studied loneliness and they're like, all right, we've got these hundred people who are saying they're lonely. So we're going to put them in a room and study them and figure out, do they have a dog? Do they have enough uh friends? Do they have enough family? And then what they found out was, oh, they all have different amounts of those. The thing they have in common is they all have an idiosyncratic brain. So their brain is what they have in common, not any circumstances that we define as loneliness. Well, for the record, I don't know that they looked at dogs and families and whatever. Well, all they I, looked you at assume, is brain. <laughs> you assume that they would look at circumstances also. Well, it was just MRI imaging. So okay. basically they looked at, let's say they looked at 100 brains mm-hmm. on MRIs. They said, okay, 50% of these people are lonely, 50% are not. What's wild to us is that the 50% that are not lonely, their brains look very similar to one another. Okay. Then they looked at the other 50% who are lonely and they're like, Lord have mercy, these people are all over the map. Their so the, brains don't look like each other. And they also don't look like the people who are not lonely. I mean, so talk about a perpetuating loneliness. Exactly. Exactly. So then what we need is a different word. Then the word lonely, it just has such a negative con- connotation and it makes us feel like the thing we're experiencing is that we need more people around us. So what we need is a different word. If what we're saying is lonely means your brain works differently than everybody else and that makes you feel isolated then we just need a different word from that. Like, how do you feel? Idiosyncratic again. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) How do I feel? Like, like I am not neither seen nor understood (laughs) nor experienced the world the same way as others. Exactly. How do you feel? But not lonely. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I feel like nobody fucking gets me still. Or I'm having a different experience than everyone else's. What's the word for that? Yes. And I think that that is 
super helpful because then even people who are not lonely people, mm-hmm. maybe their brains work like all these other 50%, congratulations, you're lucky. They still could have periods of that. Like, what is this icky feeling when I'm with these three people and this thing happens and I appear to be the only one that experiences it in this weird way. And so that is loneliness, right? It's like, I am alone in this feeling and this experience in this understanding of what's happening. And so River Mm -hmm. already nailed it because they have identified for themselves what's already the issue. It's not the lack of people around them. It's the having a connection with those who experience the world in the same way Mm -hmm. and to have similar reactions. And I think that's why that is so coveted. Mm -hmm. That's why when we find those people, we rarely let them go Mm -hmm. because they are fucking rare. Yeah, rare. And that's why maybe we don't need a lot of them. Maybe Mm -hmm. we just keep it tight. (laughs) Yeah. Keep it. Yeah. Wow, that's so interesting. Just reframing what, loneliness is. That's the biggest difference between my first marriage and my second marriage. I was so freaking lonely in my first marriage because I constantly felt like we were having different experiences. Mm -hmm. We would be in the same room. Something would happen with a kid, with a life, whatever. Something would happen in the world. And I understood that we were having completely different experiences. I felt so lonely. Yeah. And that's the biggest difference Mm -hmm. now in my marriage is there's lots of things, but that's very rarely happening. We are having similar experiences. I can trust, I can look at Abby and be like, yeah, she knows exactly what's happening with me. What just happened with the kid. That's the opposite of loneliness to me. Mm-hmm. And many people don't have that with their partners, but if you have that with someone. Yeah. yeah. And at a concert, that's what you're saying. Yeah. It's the same experience. If I'm at a concert, I'm watching Brandy Carlisle and Catherine singing and my heart is like, busting open with joy at their love and their community and their lives. That is what everyone around me is thinking. Yes. That is why you dissolve into them because it is an indistinction. Mm -hmm. It is not the distinction of having a different experience. So if you're at a party, party, you know you're not having the same experience Nobody's- as that person over there. And so that is why you're lonely at a party. That is <gasps> why you're not lonely at a concert. And that's why what I really want at a party is for everyone to ask one person a question. Like I love at a dinner when you do one, uh, let's have one question that everybody answers. That's because everybody then is having the same experience. We're looking at the person all together, collectively. We're all focused on one thing. We're all having the same experience. And that's really interesting because I wouldn't consider myself an overly lonely person. And so I'm not as concerned with needing to have the same experience because it's not as important to me because I don't think of myself or I wouldn't consider myself a lonely person. Mm. So have going to small talk cocktail hour, though I'm not having any cocktails, doesn't bother me because I don't care if I'm having a different experience than other people. Or you're on the 50% where your brain works similarly to others. Right. And so you have never picked up on the clues throughout your life Mm -hmm. that you are experiencing the world vastly differently than everyone else. And so you don't So that's less lonely. There's no, there's no like, uh, yes, you don't have the, the automatic presumption that you understand the world differently. So you don't have that craving that needs to be met because 
That's interesting. It's possible. And so you look around, you're like 50% of this, this party is experiencing the same way as I do. Mm-hmm. And maybe you have that kind of understanding of cool. the universe. So River, in short... <laughs> <laughs> in short, you are blue. We in try to short, do this every time, like voicemails, and we get through like one. I know. And I feel like people, they they leave us messages hoping for an answer. And we return to them 50,000 more questions and much more confusion. <laughs> We're very sorry. Uh, well, let's try, to we give, let's try to give River an in short. Okay. In sum, River, <laughs> it is possible that it's not that you just haven't found the right uh, conglomeration of circumstances or people. It is possible that you just have an idiosyncratic brain, a different sort of brain. And so what we could do is not label that as a yearning, but just a difference. And that it is possible that you will feel best in experiences where there is a decided shared experience, like a concert, and with the very few people you will find throughout your life who you feel like see you and know you and you share a common understanding with. And that there's not anything wrong with you. Right. That you feel lonely in groups of people where you get the feeling that you experience things differently than them. Mm. That is actually correct. Yeah. (laughs) It is not your moral failing or emotional Mm -hmm. failing. Or theirs. Or theirs. That you are in this group and feel lonely. Mm -hmm. And maybe go for art. Art is where we express our little idiosyncratic worlds and say, someone please look mm-hmm. and That's tell me cute. if you relate. I am blue. I am blue. <laughs> if you want to learn something new, would you rather learn it on your own from a random teacher or from folks who are the best of the best in that skill? I think I know which option most of you would choose. That's made possible by Masterclass. In recent months, they've added classes from the likes of Ava DuVernay, who gives us tips on how to reframe our thinking in all walks of life. One of our personal favorites recently was the one-on-one time we got with Amy Poehler in her class on preparing to be unprepared. So good. With Ava DuVernay. With over 180 world-class instructors and a 30-day money-back guarantee for new members, there's no reason not to get started today. And right now, our listeners will get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash hard things. Get 15% off right now at masterclass.com slash hard things. Masterclass.com slash hard things. Okay, God help the next one. Let's hear from Emily. My name is Emily. I have a situation with my boyfriend. He is a wonderful guy. He's very loving. He's very sweet. He comes from a very abusive background. And so because of that, physical touch is very complicated for him. Um, And so our sex life isn't that great. Our physical touch life isn't very, isn't what I need it to be. but I want to respect his needs and respect his boundaries. The issue is he is able to be physically affectionate with our dog. Uh, he is able to shower this dog with all of the love and affection that 
I wish I could have. Uh, and I never thought I'd be in a relationship where I felt jealous of a dog. Mm. So I don't know. I don't know if you have any advice or if you've ever been jealous of a dog. But that's my question. What do you do when you're jealous of a dog? And mm. Love yourself. Bye. Emily, first of all, I'm so sorry for you and your partner. That's so much. The reverberations of abuse are just so stunning. Mm -hmm. Just how far it goes, how many relationships it touches, like a ripples from a stone, like how many generations, how many. It's just amazing. Um, the pain and the destruction that abuse continues. Mm -hmm. I'm so sorry. The dog thing, it's interesting. I'm thinking about how when I was in therapy in my first marriage, um, when we were in healing from one of many things, um, the therapist used to insist that we try to cuddle and touch each other in a way where there was absolute clear boundaries around nothing going further than snuggling. And the thing about dogs is that they don't, it's uncomplicated. Like there's yeah. nothing that's going to be pushed. There's no moment that like it's going to, energy is going to switch and it's going to become sexual. There's no like power dynamic. It's so simple. That's just something that came to my mind. Like, I wonder if there were times where you could snuggle like dogs, where there was like mm -hmm. a boundary around it, where you both agreed that the rule was it wasn't going past the snuggle, that that could make both people feel safe. I don't know. That's the only idea that I have about the dog love. What are you thinking? I understand Emily's boyfriend. I, it is much easier for me to show affection, like unbridled, just joyful abandon mm -hmm. of affection to my dog mm -hmm. than my partner. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I get that. I, I I actually wonder sometimes if it's like a thing. Like I, you know, if it's um, like noticed. What? Oh, if it's noticed. I'm sure it's noticed. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's exactly right because it's, it's uncomplicated. And I think it's like at a deeper level, it is about self-love. I think it's possible because- when you think about it, when you introduce the idea of people, it's like, is the other person worth it? Do, is the other person um, deserve it? Is there mm -hmm. like, what is the scorecard today? What will it lead to? Do I have to like work out anything before I show this love? The memory is so long mm -hmm. with people and the, the memory is so long in relationships that, but a dog's, there's no memory. 
It's also so vulnerable. Yeah. It's almost like you would have to show that much um, acceptance and joyful reveling in yourself to be able to share that with another human. But whereas a dog is a different species. Mm-hmm. It's like, of course they deserve that. Mm-hmm. They don't have any of this human fallibility or complications or whatever. I don't have to project on them any of my confusion about myself. Yes. Whereas with partners, you not only have your issues in your relationship, you also are projecting on them all of the things about yourself. Yes. And all of the judgments and all of the, you know, they did this study where they had like a fake news story and it was the victim in the story was um, attacked and they had bones broken. Okay. And they changed who the victim was in every, and it was an adult human, a child, an adult dog, and a puppy. And then they analyzed the levels of sympathy and empathy that the people had based on hearing the story. Mm -hmm. The levels were the exact same for child, adult dog, puppy. High levels of empathy. They did adult person, low levels of empathy. Mm-hmm. Wow. The exact same outcome, the exact same situation. That makes sense. And why is that? Because we've been, we've all been hurt by so many humans. We've been hurt by so many humans and we see our own selves yeah. as not worthy of empathy yes. and sympathy. We see our own selves as not worthy of the kind of reckless, joyful love that is unconditional that we see as a dog. Yes. And and so I actually think it makes total sense. It's it's shockingly awful for Emily's experience. It's shockingly awful for her partner to not see themselves as either the recipient or the giver of that kind of abandon. And also, logically, it makes total sense to me. Yeah. Damn. I mean, Emily, I will say that I sensed at the end of your question a little bit of like, is this okay or weird for me to be jealous of a dog? I'm going to tell you, Emily, that I have had moments in my marriage with Abby where I'm jealous of her dinner. I'm jealous of her food because she gets excited (laughs) about food and, and in a way that like, first of all, the way Abby gets excited about food is so wonderful. The way so Abby gets wonderful. excited about a lot of things. That's true. but not like, on the she, human spectrum. Right. But in terms, she's like a food person. I've been jealous of ice cream. <laughs> I've been jealous of steak. I've been jealous. So dogs to me are like, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Get in line. But it's funny, but connected, right? It's like when you see your person finding, when I see Abby, I'm like, oh, that's how you used to desire me. It's how you desire mm-hmm. that cupcake, right? You literally said it to me a few times. Oh, I have. I've said it out loud. Oh, okay. Um, you used to make that noise for me that you're making for that cold stone. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. Right. Um, and so, yes, it makes perfect sense to me that you would feel like that is the way you're loving and being comforted by the dog is how I wish you were being loved and comforted by me and vice versa. I think it makes perfect sense. Yeah. I mean, not for nothing. My first marriage, too, the dog was a big. Yeah. I realized at the close of that marriage that the dog was the wife that my ex-husband needed. Yeah. Like, 
no memory, all devotion, no counting of any pains and costs. Mm. I mean, he would go away for six months at a time, walk to the door. I would be standing there harboring the hurt and pain and counted costs of all the losses in those six months. The dog would be just as fucking happy as if he had gone to the grocery store. Oh, damn. And that's what he needed. And think about Emily's partner, where Emily is asking her partner to like engage and probably do the work to recover from abuse and like doing all these hard things. And the dog's like, I don't need any of that from you. Here's an honest question for you with what I think is a pretty easy answer. When it comes to grocery shopping, would you rather wander the aisles of a store aimlessly looking up and down your self-made list? Or would you rather take a fun quiz about your individual goals and preferences and have a personalized cart built for you? Not to mention all the recipe recommendations and home delivery that come with it. If the latter option sounds more attractive, which I think it should, it for sure does for me, then you'll want to check out Hungry Root. I loved the creamy chicken and bell pepper Alfredo that I tried. It was so yummy. And the added bonus of doing all my shopping from home made it all the better. Right now, Hungry Root is offering We Can Do Hard Things listeners 40% off your first delivery and free veggies for life. Just go to HungryRoot.com slash hard things to get 40% off your first delivery and get your free veggies for life. That's HungryRoot.com slash hard things. Don't forget to use our link so they know we sent you. I just think there's a lot of things that I've been thinking. I just think it's so beautiful and vulnerable for Emily to call and tell us this, Mm -hmm. you know, to like admit that she's jealous of her dog. Like, yes to that. (laughs) Yeah. I also think that it's got to feel even more difficult in moments because it's like, don't you trust me? Right. Like Emily's feeling like, why can't you just trust me? I'm not that. There's just so many layers to this that Mm -hmm. we don't know about. And so to me, it's, it's just therapy. It's like, I hope that he could hear this and to hear like how much you love him and to hear how important this is to you and to maybe want to do a little bit of work. And I also think that she, Emily, you have to explore that because even though we might have ideas and desires and yes, we want to honor those as much as possible, when you are in a partnership those desires have limits in some ways Mm -hmm. because somebody else is a part of this equation. Mm -hmm. And though that is beautiful in many ways, it's also really difficult. And so I don't know. I just think communicating this with your partner is like the number one step, like not in a judgment way. So not like you used to look at me, like you look at that brownie. Not like that, that would be better yeah. to do it not in that way. Yeah. Um, I would it's be possible. more I would be more open to a conversation if it didn't have that um attached to the right. front part of the sentence. Totally. Got it. Um but I think that there's so much opportunity here. Mm-hmm. Like it could be interesting to grow your relationship 
and build your relationship in different ways that might not have much to do with physical touch right now, but that it could promote that down the road and in the future. I don't know. It, it makes me excited. Of course, mm. here I am being excited. <laughs> and and also, I would just say, absolutely, Emily, like I was in my first marriage, very jealous of the dog. Mm-hmm. Like he would come back in town, he would pick up the dog before he'd come see me. Like mm-hmm. actually, that was the order of priority. So mm-hmm. I, I completely understand that. And mm. to the extent you feel any embarrassment about that, like I have absolutely been there. And also two things is that like, the dog might seem like it's a barrier right now to your affection, but it also might be the road. Like if he can only do that mm, with the dog yeah. right now, it is at least a a stepping stone towards the ability to show affection at the ability to allow himself to do that. And I'm not saying you should stick around for this to work out. Maybe you shouldn't. Honestly, if you are not getting your needs met, Emily, I bless you to go get your needs met somewhere else because you might never get them met here. Mm -hmm. I, I wasn't in my first marriage and that was a really good decision to not be there anymore. And maybe this is a step on that road. And also it isn't about whether that person deems you worthy of the kind of affection they can give the dog. It's whether that person deems themselves worthy to give and receive that kind of love with another human. Yes, Mm -hmm. that's it. Mm -hmm. That's That's good. That's right. Oh my goodness. I think that we should every once in a while do these. And I just love hearing about these pe- this I know. beautiful. People are out there being so brave every day. Yeah. River and Emily, thank you so much. River runs through it. Thank you so, so Probably much. not the first time they heard you that. You knew that was coming. Um, <laughs> I, I restrained myself for like 20 minutes. <laughs> Pod Squad, we do not have any answers. Um, but... We know a couple things, and one is that there is nothing wrong with you, not a damn thing, and that life is really hard, and it's not hard because you're doing it wrong. It's just hard because it was designed that way, and the cool thing about life being hard is that it forces us to uh, need each other, Mm. and um, it's probably one of the reasons why you're listening to this podcast. So thank you for that. Thank you for being the community that we rely on to get through this thing, this hard life. We love you. We will continue to do hard things together. And uh, we will see you back here next week. Bye. If this podcast means something to you, it would mean so much to us if you'd be willing to take 30 seconds to do these three things. First, can you please follow or subscribe to We Can Do Hard Things? Following the pod helps you because you'll never miss an episode and it helps us because you'll never miss an episode. To do this, just go to the We Can Do Hard Things show page on Apple Podcasts Spotify, Odyssey, or wherever you listen to podcasts, and then just tap the plus sign in the upper right-hand corner or click on follow. This is the most important thing for the pod. While you're there, if you'd be willing to give us a five-star rating and review and share an episode you loved with a friend, we would be so grateful. We appreciate you very much. 
We Can Do Hard Things is produced in partnership with Cadence 13 Studios. Mm-hmm.